Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the sixth day of the month of September. Countdown continues. Season around the corner. Players coming into town, starting those captain skates. Training camp just a couple of weeks away. So not far off as we await maybe the signing of Morgan Frost. Only one outstanding piece of business left out there for Danny Briere and the Flyers to get done. We'll see where that goes over the next couple of days and certainly before training camp begins. But it is time for part two of Bill Melter and I's underrated all-time Flyers team. We did the centers, we did the wingers, now we do the D goaltenders and head coaches. So without further ado, let's get to part two of Bill Melter and I's Flyers all-time underrated team. All right, Bill, now it's time to get to our Flyers top underrated D. Right D, left D, goaltending, and a head coach. Let's start on the right side. You know, you need the, the, the strong right-handed D. Who's your Flyers all-time underrated right D? This one was actually pretty easy for me. Bob Daly. Um, yeah, Daly, it's a shame that his career ended so young. Daly, was, Daly had a career-ending leg injury uh, or an ankle injury, shattered it at uh, 28 years old, still in his prime. Um, had a couple 20 goals, 20 plus goal seasons, six foot five, 220 pounds in an ear where there weren't many guys that size. Um, you know, so he was physically intimidating. Um, probably, probably the first Flyers defenseman other than maybe Tom Blaine who could truly overpower you from the point. Um, and, uh, you know, won a couple Barry Ashby trophies, played in some NHL All-Star games, and then all of a sudden, it's it's over. It's done. So people kind of forget how good Daly was um, and what a big acquisition he was. The, the Flyers got him from Vancouver, in hindsight, for a song. Um, with, with all with all due respect, the, the Kevin McCarthy was a good young defenseman at the time, and I think he had an All-Star year in Vancouver. But to me, to me, to me, it's got to be the cow on the right side. He had 40 points in 56 playoff games in five years as a flyer. That on the blue line. For a big guy to put up that many points, it's pretty impressive. A ninth overall pick to Vancouver in the 73 pick. You know, I I really debated with myself with where I was going to go with this selection on the right side. I was just kept going back and forth with myself, but ultimately I ended up going with a guy who is pearled. He's in Flyers Hall of Fame. And he was a big part of a huge trade and I still think he's underrated I went with Eric Desjardins because I don't know that people really put the respect on him that he deserves in mass quantity Bill his Flyers career was spectacular he comes in that deal I mean it's just unbelievable and you know while he's defenseman he still had 396 points in 738 games here but he played 11 seasons as the as a flyer on that top pair getting the worst assignments the most difficult assignments in the entire NHL wasn't the biggest guy in the world you know he's a guy that 6 foot 200 pounder but played really strong and to me he's a guy that even though he's in the Flyers Hall of Fame to me he's a hockey player's hockey player because he had so many little things in games that didn't you know end up on a score sheet or end up on a highlight reel but i thought were paramount he was the anchor of that defense for a long long time 
Oh, for sure. And, and you know, I, I think that when you look at the Flyers defenseman all time, and that's why I didn't have him as underrated. He won, a, he won quite a few Barry Ashby trophies, played in several All-Star games, played played in the uh, World Cup of Hockey, Was at, got, got key minutes for Team Canada on there. I think on a league-wide basis, he was underrated. Um, yeah, I think he's underrated, but I think in big yeah. hockey circles, he's not. Really? Okay. Uh, I you know I, I see it with, with the other way where you know you, you hear about the the Al McInneses and those guys and yeah. Rico might have been the next half step down, but uh, you know that that was a guy who was a perennial candidate to play in the All Star game, a perennial candidate to play for Team Canada. So that's why I didn't consider him underrated. If if I'm coming, if we were doing our all time Flyers team, he would he would certainly be near the top of the blue line for me. Um, and you know, I, I think too that whoever he was with, whether and most early on he played with Kevin Holler and they were really good, and then he mostly played with Chris Terry and then they were uh, a pairing for what six, seven years. And uh, you know, who, whoever he was paired with, um, he you know he he pushed that pairing to to another level. Um, and I, I, I the other thing too, I that I think is under is a bit underrated, and I. Still do not know how he did this for the life of me, Jason. He had a year where he played with a, I think it was about an 80, an 80, 85% ACL tear, and he yeah. played through it. And you know, he wasn't, he wasn't as effective. It clearly was showing. I don't, I don't know how a guy sucks up and plays through it. I mean, he always had, was in great condition, but an ACL tear is a, a major, major injury. And after, after he finally got it surgically repaired after that season, I mean. The second half of his Flyers career, the first half, Desjardins could fly. In the second half of his career, he lost a step, but he was such a smart player that once yeah. he adapted to it, and particularly particularly under Ken Hitchcock, he never noticed it because he was so smart and so good at moving the puck and so good defending, and, and you know maybe not a maybe not the best power play defenseman in the league, but but in that again in that next grouping down, he Desjardins could do everything. And such a solid pro. You know, I, I, I think that um, when you look at the NHL players of the 90s, the early 2000s, I don't think you hear his name enough among the best in the league. To me, he played in several All-Star games and could have played in a few more beyond that. So, you know, I, I, so I see it just a little different that, uh, in, in terms of where he was league-wide. But I think we both agree that he was, he was underrated to a degree. Yeah, and he's just such a good player and – the anchor of that team, I thought was, he was just so important. Let's go to the lefty position. This is another struggle for me. Um, who, who did you end up going with on the left side on on the D? It's it's strange. It's one of those things in hindsight that you know why was he underrated for for a long period of time? Jimmy Watson played five NHL All Star games, won two Stanley Cups, uh, played for Team Canada in the '76 Canada Cup. Um, who won, which won the championship, uh, played in played in the '79 game against the Russians. Um, was was a big part of that the leadership group of that uh, team, 35 game unbeaten streak team in '79-80. Um, was it because when he was 29, his career was over and he still had years to go? I don't know. I don't know. But but uh, of those of that group of '70s to early '80s flyers, Jimmy Watson was. Probably the last one to get in the Flyers Hall of Fame in 2018. I mean, 
finally that was corrected. To me, he should have been in a lot sooner. And while while Joe, his brother, was a heck of a player in his own right, two cups, two All Star games, etc. And uh, Joe would tell you that Jimmy was the better player of the two of them. So yeah. I, I I I went with Jimmy Watson among other candidates. Um, you know, I I think could easily could easily have Brad McCrimmon there. I mean, because he he was a heck of a player just beyond being Mark Howe's partner. He was really good in his own right. As a matter of fact, um, say whatever you want to say about plus minus ratings. Among all players who are not in the big hockey hall of fame. He's the NHL's all-time plus-minus leader among non-Hall of Fame players, uh, among the all-time flyers, you know, uh, leaders in that category. He was a big impact player for Calgary when they won the cup. Yeah, and eighty-nine. So there was more, there was more to him than, than just being Mark House partner. He was a he was a fantastic hockey player for a long time. Yeah, yeah and he complimented how beautifully. Um, I went at the left D position. I went with the guy who, what. The only people that kind of bring his name up anymore are the ones that, you know, had the uh, the VHS or Betamax tapes of great fights back in the day. And I went with Ben Wilson. Now, Ben Wilson was as tough as they come. He wasn't a guy that was because you had like the Dave Browns, obviously Dave Schultz prior. And you had, you know, those guys that that was their only job. But, you know, was to be an intimidating force. And Ben Wilson played at a time, Bill, when there was a lot of tough guys in the league. I mean, he played for the Flyers from 78 all the way up until uh, the 80 through 83. In 339 games as a Flyer, he had 214 points on the blue line as well. I mean, he was as tough as they come. And he was a pretty damn good player, too. So I actually went Ben Wilson on the back end. Because I think he's a guy that kind of overshadowed him in, in hindsight. For sure. And, 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 you know, yeah, the first thing you think of with Ben Wilson is you think the fights. And he could just absolutely obliterate guys on the boards. I mean, he just, he's, you know, he he's uh, spared no quarter when it came to finishing checks. He was big and mean and um, had an all, a couple all-star seasons for the Flyers, had a great rookie year. What people forget is Ben Wilson was also a heck of an offensive defense, and he loved to rush the puck. And actually, one of my one of my favorite stories, Terry Crisp likes to, likes to tell it. Uh, Crispy, after he retired, um, was a Flyers assistant coach for a year before he before he moved on to, to other coaching opportunities. And so, as a as an assistant coach, uh, he had Ben Wilson, and Wilson um, in, in a, a a preseason game, I think it was. There was the he skated right past a line change and went in and he scored. And uh, he went almost 200 feet as the, you know, as both, as both teams were changing. And of course, it, of course it's, it's such a no, no to skate through a line change and, you know, take a risk like that. But he scored and he gets back to the bench. And, uh, uh, it was almost like the line from major league where, where crispy says to him, hell of a, hell of a play, Willie. Don't ever do that again. Yep. (laughs) That 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 was Ben Wilson. I mean, he there was no risk he wouldn't take, whether it was getting himself out of position, you know, playing up ice. He was a very confident young, very confident player to the point that sometimes it graded on coaches. But uh, but I'll tell you, he was he was a he was a a bull to play against, and uh, you know, and really really was a force for a number of years. Uh, Very truly intimidating, and and really. 
really, really a very good hockey player on top of that. So uh, that that's a, that's actually a very good choice. And he was traded. It was actually a good trade for the Flyers ultimately because they got Doug Crossman out of that trade too. Mm-hmm. And Cross had Cross was you know Cross at his best years was kind of underrated playing with Marshy. Yeah, uh, you know they were they were in the second pairing Marsh and um, Marsh and Crossman playing you know playing behind Howe and McCrimmon. But um, you know kind of kind of continued different different kind of a player. But um, you know Mike Keenan. It's funny because he really clashed with Crossman as you know. Yeah. They 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 did not get along. But if you talk to Keenan now, he'll tell you, you know, Doug Crossman was a really underrated player, and and he actually put him on uh, Team Canada. He actually put him on an All Star team too. So that that says something. Tim Wilson in his 22 year old season for the Flyers, his third year in the NHL, played 77 games. He had 63 points, 16 goals, 47 assists that year. Um, huge numbers uh, for a blue liner. All right, let's get to the goalie position. Um, this is again another one, Bill, that was just so hard to come up with. But who did you end up uh settling on uh on goal? In goal? Yeah, I went back and forth several times with it. Um uh you'll probably have one of the guys that, that I didn't decide on, maybe maybe the same guy. I the more I thought about it, I thought, you know what, I gotta go with Pete Peters. Um Peters was the rookie. Uh, and the prime, you know, he split time with Phil Mir, but really he became more the number one goalie on uh, the Flyers' unbeaten streak here, the 35 game streak. Um, helped backstop them to the Stanley Cup finals. Played in the NHL All Star game as a rookie, played in the NHL All Star game his second year. Um, then his first year after he traded to Boston in the McCrimmon trade, uh, he won the Vezina. Yep. But, you know, when, when you, you talk about who the great Flyers' goalies were, Peters had the had that great start to his career and was a darn good NHL goalie for a long time. Um, so I, I came up, you know, the more I thought about, okay, well, there there is the streak. He came close to he came came close to a Stanley Cup. So I I went with Peters. Um, the other two that I really considered were, were Bob Prose and Wayne Stevenson. And then the next level down I had Steve Mason. So I'd be interested to see what you ended up with. When you look at those years that Pete Peters was a, the Flyers goaltender, he had an 8, 887, 888 save percentage. And you look at that and you go, man, that's pedestrian. At that time, that was, you know, top of top of the NHL. Top, that's where yeah. the top guys yeah. were in the league. And uh, Pete Peters uh, put up really good numbers. And obviously, like you mentioned, part of that 35-game unbeaten streak. When you look at Flyers goaltenders, all time in, in wins. He's eighth all time. He had 85 wins as a Flyers goaltender. But I have a guy who you mentioned um, ahead of him in Bob Froze, who won 92 games as a Philadelphia Flyer, played 144 games uh, over his time in Philadelphia. And Froze gets lost in the mix, Bill, to me because, you know, it's Pelly and you lost Pelly and it's then Hextall. And you had the, the flash and sheer quickness and dy- dynamic play of Pelly and then the controversial and competitor that Hextall was that froze gets lost in the middle there sometimes or froze rather. And, and, and look at his career numbers as a flyer. And you look at, you know, the years that he played here and he put up really good numbers. He all said and done at that time, he, he ended up, you know, doing really well for this team. He played here for six years, played in 304 games as a as a goaltender for the Flyers. And when you look at the era that he was here, 
And this is how I really compare it. When you look at that period of time, he was here between 82 and 86. And if you look at save percentage in the NHL over those that, that chunk of time, he had the highest save percentage in the league at 899. As I mentioned, 888 was top of the league before. 899. Number two was Kelly Rudy. Hit 897. Billy Smith and the, those great Islander teams was at 891. Andy Moog uh, in Edmonton. And, but you look at that period of time, and this is goaltenders that, that played over 85 games through that period. And I look at save percentage as a really important stat. 2.75 goals against average, also very good. Uh, but to me, he's a forgotten guy because of who he was sandwiched in between in his tenure here in Philadelphia. Uh, I think that's the number one reason. Um, you know, I, I think, and, and also, listen, I mean, Frosty was a Vezina finalist. He lost to Van Beesbrook, and he, but he did win the Jennings um, under brutal circumstances because Pelly died, and now yeah. he's the number one goalie. And, and he'd almost been traded to L.A. Um, actually, actually, that trade was going to go down the same, maybe 48 hours after the accident. Uh, he was going to be traded to L.A. for, for Jay Wells, who actually ended up being the plot a little bit later on um a great american you know, tough guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh froze froze got knocked i think a little unfairly including by keenan mm-hmm. um keenan was not a fan um i you know when the flyers lost that playoff series to to the rangers in 86 the spring after yeah. pelly died for, for a first of all i think the team was just mentally cooked you know, they they had a great regular season, but they'd been through so much that year. They'd been like they'd almost been through two years in one, and you know it was, it was such an emotional roller coaster that year I, after losing Pally, and nobody was ever totally the same again after that. It's, it's, it's human beings. Um, Frosty got outplayed by by Van Beesbrook in that series, and the goaltending was the number one thing that decided that series. The Flyers did have a cup caliber team. I have a hard time putting it all on the goalie, though. I, you know, Rose got them there in the first place, and there were a couple games in there that that uh, were winnable. That that Ben Ben Beesbrook stole. I mean, just credit to Ben Beesbrook. So I, I think I think Frosty really took a took a little bit of a beating from the coach and a little bit from the media. Uh, I think a little bit unfairly. And the other part too that I don't think was always always right. Was when, you know, when he uh, was a candidate for the Vezina and, and Keenan was asked about Froze's candidacy. Well, he said, "Well, he has the numbers." He didn't. He didn't say he, he didn't say he's been the best goalie in the league this year. He said he has the numbers. And Keenan also pointed out that before Pelly died, that uh, you know, listen, Bob did his job, but he's the guy we we play against Hartford. Or, or he's the guy that we would, you know, play against Minnesota when they weren't very good, or Red Wings when they're bottom of the league, and we, you know, we were resting Pally to, to play Montreal or Boston or something like that. A goalie, a goalie can only stop, can only can stop the pucks, you know, can only stop the pucks are in front of him. They can only play the teams that he's playing. And the truth of the matter is, Froze had a lot of success. You see some of the same things about Wayne Stevens too. It was a hell of a backup, Bernie Perrant. Um, Again, the year, a year that Perron was injured, he was that's in a runner-up to Kenny Dryden, the Hall of Famer, which yep. you know, and and 
the Flyers got swept in the finals by Montreal that year. But Wayman Stevens would have started for a lot of teams in the NHL, more probably more than half the teams in the league at the time. Um, he just happened to have the misfortune or fortune because he did win a cup of, of playing behind Bernie. And it's a little bit like Froze being being in between Pelly Lindbergh and, and Ron Hextall. So I don't think it's fair to those goalies. I think you only go by the performance level. Um, and I think those guys were, were underrated in, in retrospect. And the other name that I put out there was Steve Mason, because I think Mason had some good years. If you look at the Flyers' home record during Mason's career and Mason's numbers, Mason was actually an elite goaltender at home, kind of an average goalie on the road, but his home numbers were up near the top. He, he was up with the flurries of the league. Um, you know, the, the carry prices, he actually had really, really good numbers. The Flyers would have 53-point seasons at home, but they were so bad on the road, they were either a either a bubble or a non-playoff team. And also that, um, the to me, the only reason the Flyers won seven games with the Rangers in 2014 was Mason. So, I, uh, to me, you know, I, Mason, a lot of people may not remember his, his tenure very fondly. I thought Mason was a, was a good goalie when he was here. Yeah, I mean, you look at this is over his entire career in the NHL, including his Columbus days and and after the Flyers as well. Um, a 960 home save percentage in his career versus a 905 on the road. Uh, that's, that's pretty pronounced for sure. A lot of his best goal ending and his best save percentage months as a pro were in February, March, and April. And it's an important time as well uh, for Steve Mason. Um, let's get to the coach and we'll wrap this up, Bill. You know, another one that, would, that I really struggled – to come up with, and you know, I looked at guys like Roger Nielsen, who I thought was a really important coach here uh, for the Flyers, exactly what they needed at that time. But ultimately, I'll go first here. I settled on a guy and Pat Quinn. He's got the third highest points winning percentage of any Flyers head coach in the team's history, only behind Shiro and Keenan at .630. It was here from 79 to 82. And to me, uh, 141 wins, 73 losses, and 48 ties in his tenure. 330 points, but uh, I thought he was a damn good coach, became a good executive as well, and I thought he was an important coach in an important time. Oh, no doubt, and and we talked earlier about the 35-game uh, unbeaten streak. Of course, Quinter is behind the bench that year. Yeah. Um, Flyers thought, you know, still had some of the uh, Broad Street Bully Zeros guys, but they they really, you look at that roster, you, you don't know how that, that team had a 35-game unbeaten streak. You look at you know, uh, Norm Barnes and Mike Bosniak and Frank Bave. I mean, you know, decent NHL players, but, but certainly not stars, not, not guys you'd associate as being regulars on a, on a 30 uh, team that goes 35 without a loss. It comes as close to the cup as the Flyers game. Um, Quinn, Quinn was a very good NHL coach for a very long time. Flyers, the Vancouver, where he's legendary. Uh, with Toronto too, um, you know, I, I think Quinn is a very good choice, um, and he was the 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 other name that I considered for for mine. Uh, I I decided on Terry Murray, and Murray came in. The Flyers had missed the playoffs five straight years. Um, first year with the t- team, they uh, get to Game Six of the Eastern Conference Finals. They win the division. The next year, they, they had the best record in the Eastern Conference in the regular season. Get to the second round. The year after that, they're 
a top team again in the regular season. They get to the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, we all know that the Stanley Cup Finals ended in a sweep, and that kind of that ended Murph's career as Flyers head coach. But if you go on, and you, you can find it um, you can find it on, on Wikipedia if you want, look up highest playoff winning percentage by games, not by series, but by games. It's among Flyers head coaches. You would think that Fred Shearer would be number one or Keenan. It's actually Terry Murray. So uh, uh, Murph was a was a finalist for for the Adams Trophy. Uh, his first year, the team desperately desperately needed defensive structure. He provided that, and it's funny. A, a lot of players who at the time said, "Well, Murph's not a good communicator," you know, this, that, and the other thing. Look back now, and they say, "You know what? He was the best teaching coach I ever had," and. One of, if not the best coach I ever played for. Eric Lindros says that. Eric Lindros said, I never mm-hmm. learned more about hockey than I learned than I learned from Terry Murray. And they didn't always get along as player and coach, but but in, in hindsight, he said he learned learned a lot. Uh, Michael Renberg has said that that uh, Murph, Murph was the best coach he ever played for. So the, those years that Murray was with the Flyers, you know, none of them ended in the cup, but they became a contender again after a lot of dry years with Murray behind the bench. And he deserves, I think, a fair share of credit for it. But yet he's never mentioned among the Flyers' best coaches. So I, I went with Terry Murray. That's a great choice. And both of those guys had a really difficult difficult task at hand. Managing as a coach, you know, a generational player is very difficult to do. And, you know, for a guy like Pat Quinn, managing the era between the cup teams to the next teams is a very difficult transition as well. And uh, those things have to be handled with every consideration known. And uh, both those guys did it very well. Great choices. Great stuff, Bill. Great conversation with the Flyers underrated team. We'll be back Friday. It'll be another brand new Flyers Daily.